This is the John Oakley Show podcast. 35, 40 years ago, Elizabeth May was her generation's Greta Thunberg. <laughs> That's what he said, because, I mean, she was like 16 and railing against uh, whatever, the changing uh, situation with climate and so on and so forth. Uh, but Elizabeth May yesterday give big big props to Greta saying if there's only there is only one voice that we should pay heed to on climate change these days and that is Greta Thunberg and I thought wow uh that's a, a big endorsement then she of course replied but in Canada it's me uh so <laughs> I just got to give my props to the guys at the Harbor 60 Steakhouse I know Johnny you've been there on occasion you enjoy that immensely don't you it's a great place to be especially when there's a hockey game in uh, in town is there a hockey game in town anytime soon you're darn right there is <laughs> preseason game goes tomorrow night they're in Detroit tonight but uh they're back and then of course the regular season starts on Wednesday with the Ottawa Senators in town and the Montreal Canadiens coming by next Saturday. So I always give the heads up in advance so that people can make their reservations for one of the great restaurants in the entire country, but certainly in the city when it comes to a steakhouse that is without parallel. It's the Harbor 60 right there on, uh, well, the foot of Bay Street uh, on Harbor Street in the iconic and historic Toronto Harbor Commission building. Make your reservations. They'll look after you in fine style. It is Blue chip to the max. So on this Greta Thunberg thing, let me ask you, Sherry DeNovo, by the way, did you go to the rally today? I absolutely did, yes. Okay. And and what did you derive from that? What was the sense? Well, first of all, the largest rally I think that's ever been held in Toronto, there were uh, 75 to 100,000 people, um, not to mention Montreal and across Canada and around the world. So last Friday, there were 4 million around the world. So huge turnout, all ages, but a lot of students, a lot of young people, which was encouraging. Um, and yes, I mean, this is the issue, you know, most Canadians feel should be the ballot issue. Um, and I, I think that's important. I mean, this is the future of our children. You know, it's interesting you say that it should be the ballot issue. Uh, Ipsos did a, uh, report or a poll exclusively for Global News and, uh, they found it was number three. It ranked behind health and affordability and cost of living and, But really what was intriguing is that when it came to how much people are willing to pay to address climate change, first of all, 49% or 48% said they don't want to pay anything additional. Uh, And then when it came to a threshold of uh, $100, up to $100 to address it, out-of-pocket expense, be it at, you know, the gas pump with a tax or so on and so forth, that drops precipitously uh, down to like 22%. Then you get down to uh, a point where if anybody's asked to pay between three and four hundred percent, only two percent are really committed to the cause. John Capobianco, what does that tell you? I mean, uh, there are aspirations that you know maybe they're stretch goals, yeah. but when it come push comes to shove, people don't really want to pay. I don't think it's going to be a ballot box issue at all. I think that there's no question that climate change and the environment is certainly becoming more and more of an issue, and it has every every election since the last I'd say four or five elections, and this one probably more pronounced than anything else, only because you've got a bit of a uh, a rally going on, and there was a New York issue that, that happened in, in the U.S. yesterday that that obviously caused a bit a big uh, a big discussion, which led to the rallies that you saw today. Um, but I, I still believe at the end of the day that people will vote with their pocketbooks. You know, Canadians, uh, by and large, want to make sure that their jobs are safe, that the economy is sound, uh, that uh, that there's a, there's a safety in jobs and, and whatnot. And I think that's going to be the key thing. And if you if you solve those problems, if you solve the economy, and if you make sure that Canadians feel safe in their jobs, then other things will become important. Obviously, healthcare, education, uh, and the environment all fall within that category. But I think you hit the nail on the head, John, when you mentioned. When you're at, when, for those who think environment is an important issue, 
And when you parse that down to say, but are you prepared to pay higher taxes for it? That number slips down more and more because, again, it speaks to hitting people in the pocketbook. And I think that's key. Do you think that's apt to change, Jaskaran, because you got young people here, and so it's just a case of demographics and over time and not too distant time, uh, people will perhaps change their minds and be willing to pay. Uh, by the way, not, uh, you know, uncoincidentally, the Greens were the most committed and willing to pay up to $700 uh, to address it in a material way. How do you see it? Yeah, I think this is something that will become increasingly uh, the number one issue in this country uh, as the demographics continue to shift uh, election over election. And this is obviously an issue where if you parse it down, you know, if you're a younger voter, this is very top of mind compared to if you're uh, an older voter. Uh, and it's just one of those demographic divides. This is one of the, uh, sorry, this is the first election, I believe, where uh, the millennial vote is the largest voting block this election. Uh, and it's just going to get younger and younger as we keep moving forward. The climate crisis is real. The scientific consensus on climate change is real. Uh, 97% of peer published uh, publications uh, around uh, climate agree that climate change is human made. Uh, and it requires uh, a lot of action, a lot of movement by uh, the governments uh, to fight. Uh, and one of the reasons why, uh, you know, Justin Trudeau did not have uh, as warm of a welcome, I think he thought he would at the uh, climate march in Montreal, because uh, young folks do expect a lot more from their governments. Uh, and you can you continue to see that shift over time where it will become the main issue. Uh, and you'll start seeing the Greens and the NDP uh, continue to double down on uh, environmental policies in a way that maybe the Liberals uh, will not entirely and the Conservatives are absolutely not doing right now. All right. Well, uh, you know, it's interesting when you talk about that uh, perceptive shift. And Trudeau, you're right. Uh, some people actually booed him. Uh, Threw an egg at him. Well, there was a guy who was tackled. He had some <laughs> eggs on him, like a half a dozen eggs. And I don't know if the detail overreacted. He might have just been coming from the depaneur and going home to make an omelet. <laughs> Suddenly, the guy's intercepted by these burly armed dudes who come out of the Escalade and tackle him. It's like, you know, so what the deuce is going on here? Uh, but on the, on this point, you know, if there's a shift and, uh, you know, maybe it even leaves the liberals in the wake of it because they're planning, they they spent $4.5 billion of our dollars yeah. for this uh, pipeline. And uh, now, is that going to be a white elephant? Does this stay in the ground? We were talking to Mike Schreiner. He's a leader of the Green Party of Ontario before you guys got here. And uh, he sees this as a white elephant. He thinks we can pivot to a green economy. How practical is that, actually? I mean, we're talking, he agrees, zero carbon uh, economy by 2050. That's the aspiration of the stretch goal that's been uh, mentioned by the Greens Elizabeth May and the NDP as well. Uh, and, you know, in the States, they got this Green New Deal. They say if it isn't affected uh, sooner rather than later, we've only got about 11 more years before it's a tipping point in the point of no return. Do you think we can supplant all of these things like, you know, the fossil fuel industry and get to a Green New Deal and zero uh, carbon by 2050, Sherry DeNovo? Well, we're, we're going to have to or we're going to see um, some cataclysmic. Ch we're already seeing climate change. I, I was speaking in Ottawa, which is why I miss being on this show last week. And uh, and in the Ottawa Valley, you know, they were acknowledging a year anniversary of the tornado, flooding, ice storms. Um, more and more extreme weather events are happening already 
already. They're happening, of course, much more dramatically uh, to uh, those in developing countries than they are to us. Um, so there's, you know, a, a lot of other aspects to the climate uh, change issue as well, um, not just climate change. All right, but, but here's I mean, my but, question. But we have shifted. Like, you know, when, for example, when, when there was an or, war effort, I mean, whole communities, you know, can get behind and make changes So you see this similar the to a war effort? Absolutely. Okay, so um, let me yeah. ask you, though, individuals mm-hmm. then take it upon themselves, as they did with rationing during the war and so on, so are you willing to give up your car? If you've got a two-car family, one car goes at the very least, maybe both. Uh, do you do all these other things? So do you think that this will be, if it's a war, one on the, the front of individual responsibility and taking it upon yourself to mitigate all of these consequences? Jasmine? Yeah, and I think younger folks are more willing to do that than uh, than older folks, or even folks uh, in my generation, was the millennial generations, where people are trying their best. Uh, and you're seeing the shift happen over time. And if we don't, if we don't start taking more drastic measures, well, this this issue is going to reach a point of no return, and we're not going to know how to handle it. And you know, technological or innovations uh, changes are only part of the process. The other is it really is changing behavior, which is like what the carbon tax is supposed to be handling is you know changing behaviors, incentivizing uh, certain decision making, and then using funds to further push uh, green technology and the green economy. It, it's going to take some sacrifice. Like we can't maintain. Uh, you know, everything that we do nowadays, you know, we can't maintain driving gas guzzling vehicles. We can't maintain building wider and wider highways and, and inducing more demand for cars. You know, we have to uh, clamp down on the type of energy we're producing in this country and, and ensuring that we're producing more environmentally friendly and environmentally renewable uh, energies. So there's a lot of changes we have to really commit to. And right now what you're seeing is you're seeing a generational struggle really between the same old status quo and uh, more abrupt changes into the way that we uh, develop our economy and, and our personal life choices. All right. Uh, I guess I juxtapose that with the uh, previously having stated, you know, when it comes, push comes to shove and these are wallet issues, nobody wants to actually spend money. Uh, would they be willing to make sacrifices then if they're not willing to spend more than a hundred bucks to address it out of their wallet? Uh, you know, because it goes down to a diminished number, three to four hundred dollars, only two percent are committed to fighting climate change. Uh, why would they give up their cars and all these other amenities then, John? Well, and I think I think the point is it's generational for sure. And I I think Jessica has, has the point well made with respect to the, the sort of the population that's growing up now who are, and the one thing that I was impressed about the, the rallies today and the young and, and the young folks who have actually rallied behind this and actually believed and, and have realized that it's up to the politicians and they're going to make, the, they're gonna make the, the noise to make sure the politicians understand the right kind of legislation. So I think from that perspective, if they keep that up, that's an impressive movement and I think that's going to be great. But wait till they start getting jobs. Wait till they start getting into the workforce and wait till they start, they start really the reality of life and make you know making ends meet and that kind of stuff and then determining then you know what the life choices are because it's it's easy when you don't have that kind of a responsibility to make those kinds of choices but when you're a family and you've got to make ends meet uh, then it becomes a choice of okay well I have to have my job and I have to save my job because I've got a family to raise versus you know fighting these issues but I do think from a generational perspective no question that this generation coming through are going to be much more militant with respect to ensuring that there's much more environmental um, um, issues to, to be looked at. But, um, you know, 2050, eliminating fossil fuels, I just don't see that, that happening. I think it's good to have goals, John, but it's going to be a hard, hard fight. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.